everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ask Anything presented by Mosier Consulting. I'm your host, Angel Leon, Mosier's HR advisor. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about ransomware with one of our own coming back for more on Ask Anything is Jim Timmerman, Mosier's Director of Managed Services. Jim, join us for two of our most popular episodes on season one of Ask Anything. Both of them are managed services podcasts. This time, we're talking with Jim about ransomware attacks and incidents. Where do attackers start? What can you do to be prepared? What type of plan do you have in place in case an attack does happen? All of these questions and much more will be answered here today in Ask Anything. Jim, it's great to have you back on Ask Anything for a third time. You're our first guest to have crossed that threshold. So congratulations. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. It's always fun to do these. Absolutely. Anytime. I mean, those two, those, those first two episodes were really fun. So let's start off with the basics. What's a ransomware attack? What, the, what ransomware does is it really encrypts the files in the endpoints. And through that, it, it threatens to erase them so that, that that individual or a hacker has gotten in there, has, has planted this code, encrypted it, and basically allows it to be held up until it's unencrypted, which is basically a key or, or a code that's put into it. Uh, and through that, it's just blocking access to everything. So you're just kind of at, you know, you're, you're at a standstill with it. So what makes it even worse too is, you know, hackers are consistently redeveloping this and, and changing it and, you know, and, and becoming more and more sophisticated on how they're getting in there uh, and how they're holding it ransom. So, um, you know, there's, there's an adage that I, I heard at a conference a while back in that, you know, when is, is ransomware really started to, to take off back, it was like back in 2018, in that, you know, it's not a matter of if, it's when, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I'll kind of mention this a lot during the whole thing is that, you know, a lot of ransomwares are very, very proactive. We as an organization, and a lot of detection tools and companies are very reactive. You know, we're, we can only manage what we've seen before. Anything new is, is a challenge, so. Yeah, absolutely. That's a lot to unpack. And we're going to touch on some of those subjects coming up here in the episode. But let's continue with the basics. I want to ask you, how does a ransomware attack affect users on a day-to-day basis? Really, the big thing is it halts them from working. I mean, there's there's a lot of statistics right now that show that, you know, based on ransom attack, companies could be down from a day to weeks. You know, you're, you're talking about that loss of business, and that's the biggest impact. It's just the inability to work because of the fact that you're, you're, there's nothing you can do. And even if you do pay the ransom, uh, a lot of times uh, some of the encryption keys are slow to take effect, loading that data. A lot of times it comes back corrupted. Uh, so, you know, you really put you at a loss of being able to function as a business. So, um, you know, there's been instances where I've heard personally that, you know, an auto dealership was hacked or, or was held ransom. They paid the ransom, but during that time they had to go to paper, you know, wow. and the old archaic ways of doing things and getting <laughs> on the phone and calling the banks to get approval and faxing things. And, you know, the whole way of doing things really was disrupted. And that impacts a lot of companies in different ways. So basically, I mean, a lot of young people don't even know what a basic paper transaction looks like because they're all used to, or they've grown up with uh, electronic transactions all the time. 
Yep, that's true. I mean, it's 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 kind of funny how we've become so dependent on technology. An interesting statistic or, or figure is when we work with our clients and we talk about disaster recovery and we talk through what are some of your critical applications and what are your workarounds and what, you know, what do you do during, you know, these times where, you know, a, a major disaster or something happens. The first thing they always say is email and office product, you know, so it's like, you know, you think about that, it's like, wow, pretty powerful that your most critical applications, not your ERP or your application or your major uh, processing applications or banking applications or, or whatever they may be, it's email. Uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's funny and how we've become so dependent on. So speaking of email, I imagine uh, that that's where most attackers start when looking to begin a ransomware attack, uh, would you say? Oh yeah, definitely. It's, uh, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, ransomware attacks really start at the kind of take advantage of the human weakness. And a lot of that is email. Oh, Hey, I got this or, Hey, this looks right. Hey, you know, I think this is right. And, you know, people open the emails. Um, we've seen, you know, I've heard the story, I've seen it in action where companies, you know, all of a sudden, you know, somebody opens up that email and they're compromised, you know, and it looks good and they're getting a lot more sophisticated and, you know, they look and feel and look right and they get hit, you know, they, you know, people open the email or they log, you know, they hit the link and log in. The next thing you know, they've opened themselves up for a breach uh, and compromise not only their email, but you know, company data, personal data, because, you know, there's the ones that, you know, hey, this is your bank account, you know, we need you to check this, or this is your American Express asking you to validate something and click. Yeah. And, and a lot of the times, as you were mentioning, I mean, simple emails, simple message, they disguise themselves as something that you might think it's legit mm -hmm. as an individual, but then at the end of the day, it really is not. I mean, you have to key in on some different factors, you know, maybe a misspelled word, maybe uh, an unnecessary ask, like you were mentioning, hey, can you verify your date of birth and your address? So those are the key things that people should be looking out for when they get emails. Yeah, and that, and that brings up a good point too, because you know the, the the major issue here is is the you know from the user side of things is the lack of awareness on what to do, and and you know looking at you know, the different you know, sizes of companies, some companies spend a lot of money and a lot of time really training and making individuals aware of what is a good email versus what is considered a bad email or a phishing email or spam even. Because there's there's a there's a line between phishing and, and spam. Spam sometimes is just you're getting hit with advertising, you know, somebody's you know, wanting to sell you something. Phishing is more of click this link and you know that's where they're trying to draw you in. Uh, so it's, it's really difficult sometimes for just, you know, an average user just to understand what's the difference. So, you know, the, the whole awareness and training from is, is key these days, just making people be smarter, you know, Hey, if it looks, if it looks suspicious, don't open it, ask the question. And that's what we tell a lot of our customers and our users. If it looks suspicious, uh, don't open it. <laughs> So what type of companies do you think get hit the most by ransomware attacks? Because right now, I feel like every time you turn on the news, you see a different company, you see, unfortunately, you know, medical records, you see uh, hospitals be attacked. Um, so what can you tell us about what, what kind of companies you think get hit the most? 
Well, technically, everyone's at risk. Um, you know, economically, a lot of the more sophisticated attacks are really targeting large organizations just because they have the greater ability to pay. But all in all, everyone's at risk. Um, you know, we've I've I've seen instances where small companies have been hit. And then you hear the stories of just recently of Accenture, you've got the whole gas pipeline gets hit. You've got the meat in you know, meat packing yeah. industry getting hit. You're, you know, the city of Atlanta, the city of New Orleans, it just varies. And then there's, you know, we've, we've seen some recent instances where a small company here in, in Indianapolis was hit. And, you know, mm-hmm. luckily they rallied pretty quickly to, to get back up. But, you know, in talking with the owner, he's like, if we weren't able to get back up within the time frame we did, we'd be out of business. So, wow. so it's it's it, there, there's definitely a, a major impact to all organizations and, and even the consumer. You don't really think about it, but you know all the stuff that happens it trickles down in, into cost to the user. You know, you look at with what happened with the, the you know, some of the meatpacking plants; they got hit. Price of beef went up. The pipeline, the gas the pipeline, hit on the East Coast. Gas prices rise, and we're still recovering mm-hmm. from. So, you know, it, it, it really takes its toll. So, well, not just in, in the case of the pipeline, I mean, not just the gas prices, but also the people trying to hoard gas and put gas everywhere just to save it because they feel like, my God, it's going to, it's going to end. We're not going to have gas for the next three months. So that, you know, it creates a, a trickle effect, as you were saying, of the different things that can happen when, when a ransomware attack uh, does occur. So what can you do when attack does happen? Um, really, the, the key is, is, you know, obviously not the panic, you know, it's not, not the end of the world. You know, you really need to first isolate, isolate and quarantine those devices, you know, from your network so it doesn't kind of spread out. So with that, you know, if it happens to an individual endpoint, the PC versus a server versus a database, isolate that and, and just kind of quarantine that from there. And then you want to identify what's going on, try to figure out, you know, has this gone anywhere else? Has this spread beyond just one location? You know, obviously you want to involve the authorities, you know, uh, the FBI and local authorities are really taking a lot more interest in understanding cyber crimes. Obviously you want to remove the malware and then really try to recover the data. That's a big piece there because there's a lot of different ways to try to get that. You know, you obviously could pay the, you know, pay the ransom, get the, you know, get the code and recover the data back or, you can try to recover from backups and so forth. Yeah, and that and that is a key part there um, mm-hmm. that you mentioned, Jim, specifically about tracing your steps, kind of figuring out where you know where the that detachment happened, where that opening uh, happened, so that you can basically patch that up, and yeah. then for it not to happen again. Yeah, it, it, you know, and it, quite honestly, you know, it's like people that tell you that they have all the answers really don't. Because, you know, like I mentioned, you know, as, as, as we look at this, you know, we're very reactive to whatever happens, you know, and, and even if you look at a lot of the, the endpoint detection tools, the antivirus tools, et cetera, they're only going to know what the latest thing is and how to prevent it. And, and, you know, it's, again, it's these, you know, these groups and, and hackers and are all, you know, far ahead of what most people are at as far as, you know, finding the code to get in there, looking at ways to get in there and finding the vulnerabilities to, to get in. So again, it's not, it's not a matter of if it's when, mm-hmm. if companies come in and say, Hey, I can, you know, I could prevent, you know, hundred percent of you, you're never going to get attacked. 
yeah, they're lying to you because at some point it may happen. The idea is just to try to make it a little more difficult and also having a strong plan in place that when it does happen, how you can recover quickly. Right. And you mentioned we are reactive, but there are things that you can do to be proactive, right? Um, yeah, you, can, definitely. You, you can definitely do something where you're putting your systems to the test. Internally, you can, you, can, uh, you can do your own attacks, if you will, on your own system to see what kind of vulnerabilities you might have, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah you're, yeah, you're looking at, you know, your penetration testing and so forth. But, you know, the, the major keys to that, too, from, you know, making sure that you are doing things to kind of help prevent are, you know, maintaining backups, make, maintaining you have thorough backups. They're done, you know, daily, complete, and you're holding them in an offsite location. You're not trying to keep them local next to your server. Uh, you know, keep them out in the cloud, keep them in a data center to where they're kind of isolated from your current environment. You know, you want to develop a lot of plans and policies so that if this does happen in the event, this is what you're going to do. You know, spin up the new, you know, new server, you're going to you know, load your data in there, et cetera. And then, you know, worry about re recovering and getting rid of this after the fact, because you want to maintain your business. So you want to check and review your port settings. You know, do you have open ports? Do you have ways that people can get in outside of, you know, the normal path of through email or, or compromising someone's username and password. So you really want to harden your endpoints, make sure that you're, you know, you're using a good endpoint detection tool, making sure that, you know, that the, the antivirus and everything is up to date and, and continuing to be up to date. That also makes sure that you're up to date on all your patches and all your, your system updates. Staying on top of that, I think um, one of the first big major hacks was a few years ago. One of the reasons why is they were so far behind on their Windows patches that there was a lot of vulnerabilities in within that, within those codes of the, of the operating system. So a lot of people to get in, you know, you want to keep, again, keep your systems up to date. You know, if you have firmware updates on your firewall and, and switches, routers, and your network devices, make sure you're, you're staying on top of those. Don't let those lag. The other thing too, is just train, training and, and knowledge is the key. You know, you know, a lot of companies spend a lot of money now in order to ensure that their, their users and their workforce are trained in understanding what to do and what not to do. Don't go to these sites. And if you get a link here and you see this, don't do that, don't do this. So a little common sense comes into play there. And that's probably the biggest thing. And then look at the various tools. You know, you want to look at your endpoint detection tools. You want to look at a little bit stronger antiviruses. And, and with that too, you want to do look at all your policies. What are you going to do? What does it look like from, uh, you know, an access control policy? Who has access to what, et cetera? And, you know, a lot of limiting people of being able to go to places within your environment. And then within that too, is, you know, multi-factor authentication, making it, you know, not just a username and password gets you in anymore. You've got to have another the second layer of, of authentication in order to get in. So, so those are the basics, you know, there's, there's a lot more things you can do, but, you know, those are really the key things that really will help prevent and hopefully prolong any kind of, you know, breach or intrusion. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a well-oiled game plan, or at least a basic, as you mentioned, game plan in order to prevent, maybe to react to an attack as well, if an organization should fall prey to that. I, I want to go a little bit off topic here. Well, not off topic, but kind of bring this to something that you shared with us the other day. And that is that most companies that are hit with ransomware attack file for bankruptcy within a few years after the attack. That's a very alarming stat. 
Yeah. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's kind of interesting that, you know, when these things happen and the impact, you know, we talk about how does it impact your day to day, et cetera, you know, and, and how does it impact others, but there's a, a big trickle down effect, you know, and just from a numbers perspective, it's projected that over $20 billion will be paid out in ransomware attacks over the course of 2020, excuse me, over 2021. That's an increase of losses over 225% from 2020. So, you know, and you look at this and you say, wow, where does this, you know, this is a lot of money. This isn't like, you know, a few hundred dollars, you know, and then you look at kind of um, how much companies have shelled out in paying ransom attacks. It's anywhere from, you know, 350,000 to 1.4 million. And that's breaking that down into statistics, 35% of all businesses that were hit, that's what they paid. And then you're looking at, you know, well, another 7% paid over a million dollars, $1.4 million. So your larger organizations are paying a lot more money for this. So the amount of money that's moving around and being paid, it, it's it's a pretty good business. You know? it's, yeah. So um, that's, let's say hag is a good business, but it's, it's the amount of money that's being paid is really kind of shocking at times. There's also a bigger impact. You know, you look at not just, okay, as an organization, we got to take a loss here and pay the money from a, from a business loss of it. You look at revenue loss during that time of outage. The damage that's done from business closures is about 20, I think it's, it's, it starts at 20, 26% of all organizations reported that ransom, a ransomware attack forced them to close business for a period of time. So that's lost revenue. You know, we talk about the bankruptcy piece of it and, and the, the bigger number of that too was it was close to, I think it was like 35% actually shut down. They, they, just, they just closed. I mean, it's wow. they basically had to close down because the bigger piece of that too is, is the reputation of their brand. So you look at companies that did get hacked, like, I don't want to use that anymore. I'm concerned that, you know, I can't go there and sign up for anything because I'm going to be at risk now as an individual. Bigger risk is is how it, you know the, this whole trickle down piece of it. It affects the company. It affects their brand. They close, and it affects the individuals. It's 32 percent of organizations that reported losing C level talent had to let C level talent go. You had the you know, CEO of Target. Uh, I'm sure some of the other organizations draw this up here. Uh, yeah, CEOs at Target, Home Depot, Sony, all were forced to resign due to breaches. Mm-hmm. So, and then that goes down even farther into the number of layoffs, you know, right. uh, 29% of companies that have had been ransomware or attacked reported, you know, uh, labor force layoffs and uh, during the period of time. So, you know, you think about this, it's just that trickle down effect that leads to, you know, like, oh, it doesn't impact me. It's big business. They can afford to pay it. Not really. Think about how that, you know, impacts us. You know, I've heard, you know, you know we talked to customers, both large, small, all the time, you know, and that's, it's, it's a key concern of all, you know, most C-level business owners is like, what do we do to prevent a, a ransom attack? And I said, well, I don't know if you really can, but what you do need to do is be able to prepare for one. And what happens if one does happen, how quickly can you go back to work, you know, and, you know, that's what we prepare them for. And, you know, a lot of them are concerned that, you know, if I get, if I get hacked, I'm out of business. There's nothing I can do. 
we recently uh, had a client who was working with a cloud service provider that the cloud service provider got ransomware attacked. We get a phone call on a Saturday morning. Can you help us? Yes, we can. We we had a plan. We put it in place. We got them back up to got them back to work pretty quickly, and the owner was like very thankful because if you guys wouldn't have done this, if I wasn't able to come in on Monday and be able to work, I'd have been out of business by the end of the week. I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of scary. You know, Mm -hmm. it it impacts everyone. So. Yeah, it does. And it's interesting because I was watching some programming on ransomware the other day and not to go off this topic, but I was even seeing how it was on the dark web. You could actually pick up software off the shelf, if you will. Um, And basically, and if I, if say I wanted to go attack, you know, big XYZ company, I just go over there, pick whatever I want. There's companies that actually just are doing this right now. You pay them a fee and then they do attack like another company. And then it's like, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of how we talk about, you know, we have Mosher as a service and we, we present mm-hmm. that, you know, you work with Mosher, yeah. we provide you all. There is actually ransomware as a service. Right. Right? Just where, you know, they just, they're selling the code out there and they just basically, you, you know, it's just a, Hey, you're buying this. You, you get a percentage of whatever we, you know, get out of the hack, you know? So like I said, these guys are getting sophisticated and, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's us against them. And, you know, a lot of times they're going to win and, you know, we just have to be prepared to, to be ready to address it right. and have all the right policies and procedures in place. So when it does happen, so you're not sitting there going, what do we do? Okay. Yeah. Here's what we do and test it. You know, you know, we've been asked by a number of clients to like, okay, what happens if this happens? Let's walk through a tabletop exercise. Let's talk about what we'll do and okay, this is what we'll do, et cetera. One of the big things is now more so is that, you know, there's, there's the payment side of that too, which is people, a lot of different organizations and, and companies will tell you pay it don't pay it you know that's your decision Mm -hmm. that's you know that's a company's decision to make there it's not mine but you know my role is to make sure that they recover get to that point Mm -hmm. yeah well even if it doesn't recover and get back to work you know so right as quickly as possible yeah because i because i understand from the pipeline issue i know the government was able to actually trace back some bitcoin and some of those cryptocurrencies back and so they were able to get some of that back but like you were mentioning from you know if i'm a small company how hard is it going to be to get that ransom money back if at all but at least you get to the point where you're actually going you know back up and running within a day or, Mm -hmm. or two yep yep yeah because i mean there's instances where it's cripples organizations it's it's hard to explain it's like one of the things where it's like it's amazing how you know one little thing can bring down a, a huge organization and, and then you just look at the fallout from it so it's it's kind of staggering so along the same lines insurance companies are asking uh for more information and one could assume higher policy costs to mm-hmm. ensure organizations against these types of ransomware attacks. Uh, and, and as we were talking just a minute ago about um, organizations paying the ransom and trying to at least get back up and running with insurance companies, that is different because they're supposed to be there, right? To ensure your company and in case something goes wrong. So that that factors in as well as to the decision from companies um, as to what they want to do 
mm-hmm. that piece of it has changed completely too because cyber insurance was just like okay here you're covered for x dollars and that's what they would pay well a lot of times you know more so now because it's become more prevalent insurance companies are having to pay out that money so now they're like on their end going okay we're going to insure you again and it's going to be you know they want it to be more risk-based but what are you doing to prevent it from happening because before it didn't matter hey here's your five million dollars just go pay the bitcoin and be gone and now it's like well i'm paying because it is more prevalent i'm paying this and i shouldn't be paying it because are you providing best practices so you know we're seeing a lot more of you know as companies come up for their annual uh renewal these these insurance companies are asking for a lot more they're asking to you know are you do you have these things in place and if you don't obviously you're going to pay more premium or they're just not going to insure you and that that's even more terrifying for a company to say, well, I can't get insurance because I'm not, well, how do I get all this stuff done? We just recently did, one of our clients had their insurance policy come up for you. And it, it, with the questions they were asking, I was like, oh my, I mean, it was like three pages of questions of, do you have multi-factor authentication in place? Where's it located? Do you have it at this level? You know, what are you doing from an access control? So, you know, there's a lot of policy there that they want to see that you have in place that before they insure you, because they're at risk. I mean, they're the ones paying the money, you know? So they want to make sure that their investment is covered. So, and, you know, this is going to lead to a lot more of what is going to be covered and what isn't, you know? And if you're not doing the right things, insurance companies won't cover you. That's where we as an organization come in, right? And provide those services, uh, Mosher as a service, if you will, um, basically to... To make it difficult for attackers to, you know, to prevent those attacks from happening. But like you were saying earlier, you know, we, we try to do our best or most companies do their best to try to prevent those attacks. But that's where we come in and try to provide those services. Um, like you were mentioning, we review those policies so that we can provide that assistance. And if, if the customer wants it, then we can provide those services. Yeah. And, and for, for us within managed services, you know, when we onboard a client and we start to, to look at kind of their environment and what they have set up and so forth. One of the, you know, we're not a security operations center, nor do we claim to be one, but we want to look at and ensure that those practices are put in place. The first thing we look at is, okay, what's your password management policy? Uh, We don't have one. Well, you need to put one in and you need to have it this, and it needs to change every, you know, 30, 45, 90 days, 60 days, whatever it needs to be, special characters, phrasing, however, to make it a little more difficult, multi-factor authentication. We look at, you know, who has access to what, okay, so that when we start to see things happening, uh, because we do monitor for somebody trying to access something a network driver, a domain controller or something. And we see that it's Debbie, the receptionist trying to access this. Well, why is she <laughs> trying to do this? Actually, a funny story is we actually at Mosier, we saw our owner tie some three o'clock in the morning trying to access something. And we're like, well, Uh-oh. he didn't access to that. <laughs> so <laughs> what was it? we noticed that, you know, it was a, a Ukrainian IP address coming from. So we shut mm-hmm. it down. And so everyone's at risk, even us. So But with that, you know, we look at all those different pieces to say, okay, how can we make this a little bit more, build a higher fence, so to speak, you know, and and try to make it not difficult, but 
harder, you know, more challenging for, for them to get in. We look at, you know, what they have in place from an email filtering and we provide those services. We do a lot of education. We probably do every quarter uh, with at least half our clients of just reminding, hey, this is this is what email phishing looks like. This is what you need to look for. These are the types. This is what you do uh, and how to report it. And don't open it, you know? So, you know, we're all, you know, we're all about education and making sure that our clients understand that you're always at risk. And, you know, the idea is to limit that risk. You know, it's the, the kind of the funny story is, you know, don't go outside because, you know, you, you might get hit by a car. Well, you still have to go outside, you know, mm-hmm. just look both ways before crossing the street kind of thing, you know? And that's what we try to instill to our customers is common sense, be aware of what's going on, understand your surroundings and, and be protective of your environment. Don't let everybody have access to everything because they really don't need it, you know, and look to manage that. So need to know basis. I, mm-hmm. that's a phrase that I got used to when I used to work for a certain federal government. And uh, that's <laughs> what everybody told me. You need to know this. You sure? Yes or no? No. Okay. Then walk, move along. That's <laughs> so how can organizations, I know we've been, we touched on this subject uh, across the, the past uh, five or six minutes of the conversation, but how can organizations make, make it difficult so that attackers move on from their interest in them? I think, you know, there's no silver bullet to this. I mean, again, it kind of goes back to just using multi-factor authentication, you know, for, for users, educating the users, making sure that, you know, they know what to do, how to report it if they see it and what not to open and where not to go, even on, even surfing the internet. Organizations need to kind of, kind of follow good hygiene practices too, from, a, you know, making sure their patches are all up to date, you know, making sure that they're, they're, they're doing backups and they're off site and they're kind of secluded a little bit, you know, and also looking at some different tools to put in place so that they can be aware of something that starts to happen or if there's any kind of those triggers that come in that they could be aware of um, and, and catch those as, the, as they're starting to happen uh, just to kind of be a little bit more preventive. But uh, again, it's, you know, a lot of it's just educating, you know, and, and putting the simple policies in place. Yeah. Um, don't, don't stay on the X, right? Don't, don't mm-hmm. stay on the X move, keep yeah. moving, keep mm-hmm. them moving. Just mm-hmm. basically keep, keep changing your, as you were mentioning, uh, things as simple as keep changing your passwords every 60, 90 days. Uh, don't stay on that X. Just don't stay on that X. Yeah. And, and that's actually a good point is that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of companies hate that. I, I remember what's my password again. I forgot it. Da, da, da. Yeah. But they don't realize the impact of them, but being able to do that, you know, and, and changing that and, and not being able to use the same password every time goes a long way, you know, and, you know, we've had a lot of organizations when we implement a lot of the password policies and um, multi-factor more so in the last year, a lot of C-level people complaining about it. And I like to sit across the table and go, well, what's more of a nuisance? You having to open up something and put a code in it again, or somebody shutting down your business for five days. Right. (laughs) That's a very, that's a very important and key question. And, and even with their own internal IT teams where they just go, Oh, here's my password. You do what you need to do. Don't do that. Don't, (laughs) don't do that. Don't, don't give out your password. I don't care if the guy works with you and you've known them for 10 years. Don't do that. 
I, I'm not a security engineer by any means. You know, when we, we onboard clients, we usually do kind of what we do walkthroughs and understand their environment and see their office and see how, see how they work and uh, understand their business. Uh, we always like to look around and see that, you know, person that has the sticky note on the, you know, on their keyboard, that's got their passport on it. <laughs> like, you know, it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Old reliable oh. sticky note is not really reliable. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, it's been wonderful to have you back here and ask you anything. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening in to this week's edition of Ask you Anything presented by Mosher Consulting. We hope you enjoy listening to our conversation about ransomware with our guest, Jim Timmerman. Join us next week when we continue to dive deeper with our resident experts and what they're currently working on. And remember, if you have an idea or a topic you'd like us to explore, please reach out to us through our social media channels. In the meantime, please remember to give us a rating and subscribe to our feed wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, beware of ransomware and so long, everybody. Go. Oh.